Hello. Hi. Hi, Show. Uh, How's it going? Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. There's a little bit of a glitch in between. So like you're breaking up a bit. Okay. Uh okay, let me try and adjust something. How about now? Is it better? Yeah, it is. Um I can hear it clearly. Thank you. Thank you. So uh so first of all, I, I forgot that you were in the UK and by six I thought it was my six. So I uh. actually have been here since my six. I just realized wow. that. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm good, so. <laughs> Sorry about that. Where, where are you in Nigeria or the US? Yeah, I'm in Nigeria. I'm in Nigeria. Oh, okay, so it's just one one hour behind. One, one hour behind. Yes. It's fine. It's fine. At least you're here now. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I I don't intend to take so much of your time. Um, I know you've had a conversation with. Toby and he must have shared a lot about um what we are, what we're trying to do. Yeah. And basically it's just us wanting to tell your story to sort of motivate people and um, give people an idea that whatever their dreams might be, it's actually possible to achieve it. So um we're just going to have a a conversation about all of these things. I'll ask you a few questions. Whichever question you don't you're not comfortable answering is definitely fine not to answer no pressure um so we're supposed to be two on this call myself and a colleague but he um is unavoidably absent so it's just going to be me um i hope to wrap this up in 45 minutes one hour depending on how the conversation goes All right, no problem. yeah thank you so much for doing this and you are welcome so uh I'll, I'll probably just give a brief introduction of myself so you know who you are talking to. And then I'll allow you to introduce yourself however you want to, and then we could start the conversation. Mm -hmm. Is that fine? Yeah, that works. Okay. So my name is Shil, and I am the head of content for Stories from Nigeria. Basically, what I do is to get to source content as to storytelling because we're a storytelling nonprofit, and basically our idea is to share stories of real stories of Nigerians. Um, and we understand the value of storytelling and what storytelling can do. So that's why we are committed to this um, vision. Um, Toby that you spoke to is our founder and he's based in the US, but every other person on the team, myself and my colleague that were supposed to be on this call together, although he's based in Angola, but he shuttles between Nigeria and Angola. So he's not here. So it's just me and you. So basically, that is it about me. And feel free to ask me any question along <laughs> no the way. Problem. So I'll allow you just to and then we can start. Uh, okay, so my name is Rose. I really don't know <laughs> how much introduction I should give. Whatever, um, whatever you feel like saying. Okay, so Rose, my name is Rose. Rose, I'm um, really thinking of what to say. So basically, I'm currently in the U.S. Um, marketing uh, for my master's degree. Um, I have been in Nigeria most of my life. Um, I've worked there for a very long time, got to in my first degree. Literally everything about me was in Nigeria, Lagos, and a couple of states in Nigeria, to be honest. 
Um, so yeah, I feel like, you know, when we get into the conversation, a lot of me will come to light. So <laughs> yeah. So awesome. How, how does, how does it feel like, uh, so I know the UK will be probably cold right now. It is, it's freezing. The way it's cold cannot be compared to how it has ever been cold. Yeah. So how how transition? Uh, I think I am transitioning well. Um, it's really really cold in the UK. Like you know, before I came to the UK for my, I have always been one to really travel. So I travel to other right. countries and all of that. But irrespective of that, I've always been in countries with really good weather and yeah. all of that. So. I think the shock was really on the first day, the day I landed in the UK and I got to my apartment and then somehow it became so cold and it, it just dawned on me at the very beginning that literally rose you really alone because I've never really like very far away from my family before. So it just dawned on me that, okay, like you by yourself and the weather was very cold. I remember feeling very, very bad on that first day that I landed. And um, I think um, what I did was I spoke to a friend of mine who wasn't there physically. She she stayed in London while I'm in another city called Sunderland. So she, she was the one who told me that, you know what, it's normal, you know, when you went to somewhere very new, it's normal for you to feel this way and everything and to be very honest the thing that she did that made me just calm down a bit was she just ordered food for me to be very honest so wherever she was she ordered food online she got it delivered to where i was and after i ate um i put on the eater and i slept a bit woke up things became real really better so um yeah that was the only day i really felt very awkward with the weather afterwards you know it just lay like a lot of clothes, making sure that you're warm, and then yeah. it's been good so far. Awesome, awesome. Great to hear that you're transitioning very well. Um, so, so I think the first question that I'd like to ask is, um, growing up in Nigeria, I know you said that you actually traveled quite, you're well-traveled, but um, growing up in Nigeria, uh, how how do you think growing up in Nigeria is different from the life that you have not been exposed to? Or to put it in a better way, what did growing up in Nigeria help you learn about life that has become applicable in all your sojourning and all your traveling? Mm. Okay, I think growing up in Nigeria too, I think it made me really, really strong. And um, that's because, you know, there's a lot of things that will really push you, that would really, tr- like, a lot of things just don't work in like, knowledge already. So it made me really strong. It made me um, have this never backing down type of attitude towards life. So when um, I see when there's, like, failures, like maybe I applied for something or tried to get something done and it just didn't work out the way I planned Yes, at that moment, I might feel bad. But one thing I've realized about myself is that I don't dwell on it for a long time. Environment, the way I grew up, sort of like helped with that. And it's, it's, it's currently helping me. Um, I've been in the UK, say, two months now. I haven't been here very long. But 
that background that I add, I can already see it in the things that I do presently, in the way I go about things. And um, again, it gives me more of a, like a motivation. It's I'm much more ambitious. I'm much more um, like I'm always looking to get more out of life as opposed to people who probably grew up in the UK. So one thing you probably get to understand is that UK really makes life easy for literally everyone that stays here. Things are quite straightforward. Things are working. And um, so if, if you've been here for a long time, you can, be, you can get to that stage where you're very, very comfortable. And when you're very comfortable, you're like, I'm just cool here. I'm good here. You really need to get more and all of that. I don't, it's different if you are someone that, you know, was raised or grew up in Nigeria and everything. So for me, I think that's one of the things growing up in Nigeria did for me. Right, right. Okay, so um, you, you talking about growing up in Nigeria, can you just briefly um, summarize how your growing up was in Nigeria. I know I've asked this question to a lot of people and I always get a different answer regardless of I know people that grew up in the same environment as me but when I ask them how their growing up was they always had a different story to tell than mine. So I'd like to ask how was growing up what are the fondest things you remember the the sad things you remember and all of those things. That's a tough one. Right. Um, so growing up in Nigeria, like I stayed with my parents. I've got my mom and my dad, thankfully still with me, like on it. Um, I've got um, three siblings. I've got an elder sisters and two younger brothers. Um, my childhood actually, I was born in Kano in the north. So oh, wow. Lot of, yeah. So during that period I was born, my it was during the time of the riots. I don't know if you read back. I was born in Kano. So as at that time, my parents had to flee the north, literally just sort of like take their bag and their kids and left without anything because there was a lot of, um, you know, unrest in that area as at that time. So but we did move amongst states from Ogun states to Bibi, to, to, just, to Lagos and all of that. So I'd say my childhood was okay. I, I have like very decent parents. My mom is currently my very, my both of us are actually very close. I've got my dad. We are okay. Um, in terms of fondest moments, I honestly can't pinpoint any, but I think I had a, a nice childhood. I there was nothing like insane about it. I think I started really understanding life after I graduated from school that would be after my first degree so my first degree was in a polytechnic and um, that was when i started becoming conscious of my environment because literally i had to go into the world to to, to work to earn money and be okay so my childhood was okay um i won't say that my family are not rich my parents are not rich so once in a while we had this the problem of you know taking care of the kids or providing for them and all of that and um, immediately after my school, that is after my HND, I sort of like um, had to bear a lot of the financial cost in the family. So I'd say that so then I was a young adult, like I was like, like 19, 20 years old. And already I was already beginning to understand what it means to be responsible for, 
for people or the responsible for a family or what it means to earn money and literally they're not even seeing that money in your account again because it's all gone to take care of things. So, so yeah, <laughs> I hope that answers the question. Wow. Yeah, it, it does. So I have quite a number of questions for what you said, but the first thing I would like to ask is you said you were born in Kano. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I, I okay, I stayed in Kano. Um, it was during the riots, right? And having to grow up in the midst of that, so I, I understand a little about um, those kinds of riots, although I've not experienced one, but and my parents have. My parents stayed in Kaduna, and it was at that time there was also a riot in Kaduna. Okay. And uh, having to having to be in that experience, or having to be when that was happening, what was it like for you? Having to experience probably your neighbors um, or people that you knew on a regular basis, and it came to riots and you felt like, oh, it is we against them. How how was how was that for you? How was that um, experience? To like? be very honest, I wish I had an answer to this question, but I don't because I was like a baby at that time at that time. So um, oh, I wasn't really conscious of my environment. But you know, there are mm. stories my mom and my dad would always talk about, you know, my time there and you know how we were born and everything. So <laughs> I don't really have much to say about what it felt like living there. Because they moved quite early in my own life, earlier on in my own life. So, all right, all right, all right. okay. So, uh, okay. So, one other question that comes to mind is, um, when when I read your post, I know we we requested that we um, made a post, we posted a post that you made, and one of the things that was in the post was that you said you actually did a first degree in a polytechnic for five years. And then you went on to do a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, a number of questions around that line. First is after I, I'm guessing you did your OND and you did your HND, and then you proceeded back to school to do a BSc. Yeah. Why was there a need for you to do that? Okay, this is actually a long story. So um, even I finished my secondary school, my my dad we still argue about it to today. Um, you know, it was one of those parents who like just wanted their kids, wanted their kids to be in the university or one of those higher institutions without much of um, much research going into it. So um, my dad then was like, you know, I remember writing jam just once. Um, and that was while I was still writing my bike and everything. So, like, I didn't really have the opportunity to, you know, really, really study and try to get into the university. So, at that time, my dad was like, you know, we'll just go to a technique and everything. And I didn't know better for myself. I just I just did it. Jigged. So, I did my ND. I did my HND. Um, Posdry. Um, what do you call it? Um, IC in between. And then I served. After I finished my NYC. Um, I applied to, I started looking for a job and I think after three months, three months after my NYC, I got a job at Access Bank. I was working at Access Bank head office. Uh, it was a good right. job, really nice environment and everything. But if you've been in the banking industry, you'd get to know that there are two types of staff. They have one they call a contract staff and one they call a professional staff. So basically right. a contract staff is someone with my background who, who studied in the polytechnic. 
and a professional staff is someone who studied in the university. So even at that time, they were like the Nigeria economy would always say, oh, HND and BSC, they are the same, but those banks, we are not recognizing this. So as a contract staff, let's say my salary was like, let's say 70K at that time per month. And then a professional staff salary was like, let's say double the amount or even triple you get wow. and we all like probably went to school at the same time and everything so a professional staff was giving more risk more um there is profit sharing for professional staff and everything so you know i worked at, at ss bank for like um a couple of months and i realized that um i don't want to be a contract staff i didn't want to do that and so at that period whereby I wanted to really work with either KPMG or one of those fancy companies there. And the only thing they would only, they would only ask for is you must have a BSc. It was very fun. Uh, so while working at Assets Bank, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the university. So I did direct entry to a university while I was working at Assets Bank. And um, mm. I, I was I was schooling there on a part-time basis. Was it part-time? Yeah, it was a part-time basis. And the school, I, my office was in Lagos, but the school was in far away Udo State, was really far. So every weekend, I, every Friday, I had a very amazing boss who understood that I was pursuing a BSc degree. So every Friday, she would allow me to leave the office to travel all the way to Udo State. This was like five hours journey to, and another five or six hours journey back to Lagos if there was no traffic. So like I was doing this, of years until wow. I got my BSc degree. Now, the, to answer your question, the main reason why I did my BSc after HND is just because I got to understand that my HND really, as at that time, wouldn't get me anything, to be very honest. And in terms of, you know, professionally, in terms of um, getting a better pay, getting that um, career recognition. And as at that time, I really disliked working at the bank. I really wanted to move from the banking sector to something much more fulfilling jigged so and i just couldn't find a way for me to transition with an hnd degree as at that time i don't know if it's the same way right now but like as at that time, it's really tough for you to do anything with an hnd hnd degree so yeah that was one of the motivating factors for me mm, wow that that's really interesting five hours to undo state and five hours back to Lagos. it shows you're really driven um but so one question I'd like to ask is, while all of this was happening, um, I understand the logic behind why you had to do it. But I would like to know, how did it feel or how did it tell on you emotionally? Was it, how were you able to handle it? Because I know it, it will come with a lot of, with a lot of emotional stress. And it, it literally means having to stretch yourself both physically, both emotionally, mentally also. So how, how was that for you? And how was, were you able to handle that level of stress that yeah. you had on you both emotionally? Yeah, true. So I think emotionally, I felt very, um, I wasn't satisfied um, emotionally. Like, And I think one of the feelings that I had was mostly when I was working at the bankers at that period and I, me seeing that disparity between myself and you know those who were called professional staff at the bankers at that time there was like this feeling of this feeling of anger this feeling of 
um, um, this is not fair and everything. And at a point, you start looking at yourself as a second citizen, almost like on the ladder of priorities, you are like down, down below, you know. So for me, I didn't really like that feeling. And it was like what motivated me to to go to do my BSc. Now, when I was doing my BSc, I had two things to worry about. One is the financial implication, because even though yeah. I was working at the bank, to be honest, I wasn't really earning that much. I mean, it was decent by all level, but like, you know, I had family to take care of, and I also had, you know, my own living expenses, and then I had to also factor in my school fee, and, you know, um, right. in the books I, I had to buy, and all of that, even the transportation was money every week. So for me, it was so stressful doing this, um, going back and forth. But I think I had, I felt very happy doing it. Do you understand? It was more like, okay, there is this problem. I don't like this problem or the feeling that it made me feel. And now I'm currently was resolving that problem. So when I think about all the stress I needed to go through to get my BSc degree, I didn't really feel bad. I was always like very happy to go get my classes over the weekend and all of that. And yeah, so during that period was really it was good for me. I think the only problem was you know the physical um, stress and the, the fact that I was always tired and everything. So um, and I think the reason why I felt very good about my was almost immediately I was rounding up my BSc degree. I got a job as, a, as an advertising firm. So it was more like confirmation that as rules, you took the right stressful, but in the long run, it's currently paying off. And this is because I literally transitioned from banking, from core banking to advertising, where I had no experience, do you understand? And this advertising company was more like, yeah, we see the potential in you. We are going to sort of like train you up, going to teach you everything. And then by the time I moved from banking to advertising, which was like a smaller company compared to like one of the top commercial banks, my salary was like double the salary I was earning in the bank, even more than double the salary that was earning at the bank. So it was more like... Yeah, Rose, you took the right decision. So all of that feeling that I felt while working there and doing my BSc and my HND, um, like it just felt justified. Like I'm just like, okay, this this, this is good. At, at least at the end of the day, it worked out. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was worth it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I I like to ask, like, um, I know that you you've gone through, um. I would assume, right, that you've gone through a lot of moments in your life, of up moments and a lot of down moments. But the question here is, um, do you remember any events specifically in your life that you would say was um, maybe you had a down moment, an event happened that actually changed your life? Or what single event would you say has had the most impact on your life today i think um okay trying that's that's a really deep question uh okay i would say one of that would be you know really working at um bella ninja because i worked at a company called bella ninja i'm sure you're familiar with that oh yeah yeah, yeah. um 
So I moved from the advertising Niger and while I was at Bella Niger, I met you know the owner of Bella Niger, name is Uche. And um, yeah. And I think one of the defining was, you know, her talking to me about what my future plans were as at that time. Mm. Um, the yeah. truth is that I've always been, you know, always wanted more of my life and everything. But she sort of like lets me know that, oh, I see that you like, you're very ambitious and everything. But she was more like, there is more to life than, um, you know, just having all of those experiences here. Because as at that time, I never really thought about, you know, leaving the shores of Nigeria to go do anything, be it for work or for um, school or for anything at all but at that time she was the one who told me that why don't I consider you know go further my degree in um, abroad and I remember telling her that uh, no like I could never afford that one because literally I do not have a sponsor there is nobody supporting me anywhere so like and as at that time she was like uh, you don't need to have a sponsor research, apply for scholarships and everything. So for me, I think that was a defining moment for me because I started really thinking about it. And um, I think that was the beginning of the whole journey of, you know, applying to colleges and, you know, traveling to to come to my master's degree and even probably getting a job presently in the UK and all of that. So for me, I feel like she, she's, she pushed that button for me, just brought me to that awareness that I could be a lot more than what I was as at that time. So, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, so, like like you said, now uh, I know a lot of people that they also have this dream of oh, okay, I can do more, I can be more. I'm probably in an environment that would not support my dreams, and I need to leave and probably do better for myself and hopefully maybe come back and create a change or an impact. Um, but there's always this thread of, I don't have the money to do it. And anytime I meet people that have actually done it with the initial feeling of, I didn't have the money to do it, but they ended up doing it, it's always fascinating for me. And I like to ask them, uh, how were you able to get yourself from the mindset? I know you, you spoke about how she... Um, encouraged you but how were you able to get your your yourself from the mindset of i don't have the money to train myself for a degree in the uk to okay let me start and now you're doing that program so how were you able to take yourself from that point of not having to the point of okay I think this would be a lot of value for people that yeah. we want to reach because yeah, it would actually take steps. And I feel like a lot of people where their problem lies is actually taking action, not they they tend to analyze it so much. But I'd like to hear from you. What yeah. is that what was that process like for you? Okay, so two things really. One, I'd like to emphasize that your environment matters. And I'll come back to, to that. And number two is having an accountability partner. I think those are like the two major things that have helped me in my journey. So, the environment. Before I joined um, Bella Niger's company to work there, I never really thought about my future beyond 
you know, doing what I was doing as at that time was more like right. I just want to earn money to maybe just get a car, get a nice apartment in Nigeria, and I'm just okay. Do you get? So when I yeah. joined this company, it sort of like changed. I, I would always say that joining that company was like a transition, like was one of those like aha moments for me because I got to see more people because, you know, it's in the entertainment industry and all of that. So I was always like interacting with people who are actually doing amazing things out there. So right. while um, that seed was planted, planted in me, I was always thinking that nah, I don't have the money. Where would I start from? I do not have the to see, to see, and all of that. And I had my boss who was very supportive and she told me that, you know, all you need to do is just get the information first and you will know how to start and everything. As at that time, she started sending me links. So as at that time, she was like more of my accountability partner because she would send me links of things to apply for, things to read up on and everything. And, you know, because I sort of like looked up to her and I'm like, okay, she's my boss. Literally, she's paying my salary and she's right. advising me on this like there was no way for me to just like ignore everything that she was telling me so for me it was more like rosie i better do this if you don't want to do you get right. and that was just like at the very very beginning i think that was just like those few times that she probably asked me that okay how far have you gone and all of that and then when I got into the space of actually thinking that oh this is actually doable I started reading up people's story people who had scholarship and I started seeing people who probably had the same educational background like myself, who had mm. even less experience than myself. They were traveling to the US for their, for their degree and they were getting tuition-free degree. Like they were getting either a graduate assistant or opportunity or actually getting a job and everything. And I remember thinking, myself, thinking to myself that if these people could actually do it, what is stopping me from doing it? So, like, seeing it within my environment at that time was very motivating. So, like, I didn't want to feel like um, you thought about this thing. You might not have shared this with a lot of people, but you thought about it. But, like, look at other people. They've started and they are doing it. So, for me, that was very important. Um, the fact that I also had someone who was always asking me and reminding me that, how far have you gone? So I would say that one of the things that, and the things I would advise anyone who's trying to go on this journey to do is just have someone that you trust and who has got good intentions for you. Tell them about your plans and let them sort of like follow you on that journey as well. Because sometimes going through these things can be very discouraging. I'm not even going to lie. I got to a point I was so discouraged and I, I felt like a failure. So like I didn't want to talk to a lot of people I didn't want anyone to ask me any question and everything. But at the end of the day, I was still the one that like told, told myself that, okay, you need to start again. You need to reapply. You need to do this. You need to do that. So, um, so yeah, definitely getting someone who would just be there for you to support you. And the second thing is, you know, surely your environment, just be in the right space. And, and I think Nigerians don't understand the significance, the significance of this environment really really impact the decisions that you take or the things that you do so be conscious of your environment tell yourself that okay this is what is happening i need to get out of this this and um, finally just be mentally ready so even if your external environment can push you can 
encourage you and everything at the end of the day the decision lies within you so like you need to be the one that would click on that keyboard to send in your entry or your application or whatever so like you've got to have that winner's mindset in the first place for you to even move forward um so yeah Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, so still in line with um, this, um, I would like to ask how how long did the process? How long did it take you um, oh. from about wanting to do it to actually getting your admission and getting your scholarship? How long did it take you? Uh, okay, so I started the old process in twenty nineteen. So I think, let me just take you through, you know, the whole process. I talked about the whole thing and I actually started researching schools to apply, scholarship to apply to in the middle of 2019. Right. Um, by December, no, by October, November 2019, I had gotten admissions from like three schools in the U.S. And um, right. two of them had given me a graduate assistantship um, offer. So basically what that means is that you get to work for the school and the school pays right. the tuition and um, right. you're also paid a stipend. Quite a comfortable life, you know, living as a student and all of that. So um, I applied for visa December 2019 for the US. And then I think I was supposed to travel to school like uh, a week to when I went to the embassy. But when I got to the embassy, my visa was declined, it was denied. It was denied wow. on the basis of I do not have strong ties to my own country. So that is another story for another day. So like the disappointment. <laughs> Sorry. What does that even mean? Oh no, like I don't think I don't pray anyone goes through goes through um goes through that experience that I went through. So like it was such a funny my admission wow. and graduate um, assistantship offer came in late. I had to sort of like wow. apply real quick, apply for emergency, whatever, got my statements in place, everything. So like it never really occurred to me that there's a possibility of my visa being denied. I'd never applied to America before. I've never gone to the to America. I've never applied. So like it never really occurred to me that this is a possibility. So I went to the embassy with all of the confidence that you could think of. I'd already started packing. So, you know, I stay in Lagos. I remember traveling to Abuja for my appointment because I couldn't get a date in Lagos. So I traveled all the way to Abuja and I'm like, I'm just going to get my visa. This time I'm off to America and all of that. So it was during the Trump era where it was literally like uh, there was a lot of stumbling block. That's, that's what I can say. So um, I remember. Uh, to the embassy and everything and then literally everybody that came for the visa interview we are all denied like it was not a single person and i'm like like i don't understand are you saying that every single person that came to the embassy today is not qualified in any way or whatever but like it was so shocking for me because i never really expected it and i think i, I got on the plane back to lagos like in a very zoned out state so i had to go back uh -huh. to my parents to tell my parents that oh no it didn't work out that i can't try and i i i don't think like one of the most 
disheartening thing that can happen is you know sharing a good news with like your inner circle or quite a number of people that oh this is what is happening and then going back to say that out it was it was really crazy and i'm not going to lie that was one period that i think i actually fell into depression i was so wow. sad i couldn't get myself out of bed like i just wanted everywhere to be so dark i just wanted to sleep or try i didn't want to eat i didn't want to talk to anybody i didn't want to walk so i was just i was just so sad it was it was very painful and i think that was not enough um you know i was like you know, on the on the slip that the embassy will give you, they'll be like, you can't appeal their decision, but you can apply in 30 days again. So I was yes. like, okay, all of this not lost. I reapplied. I just deferred my admission to the next semester, which was going to be the first quarter of the next year, 2020. So um, I, what that means was that I lost my graduate as, um, assistantship opportunity. Wow. And I think that was the most painful. So what I did was reapply again. I had to reapply. I had to battle with every other plenty of application that was coming in. And somehow I got it again. So at that time, I um, um, I deferred my admission and I get I got um, I got the graduate the GA position with the school. But again, after that period, I applied to another school that I also liked. And then what I did was apply for a normal job in the US to get so which is kind of gangster because at that time it was like really, really difficult to get an opportunity like that. So yeah. when I applied for the job in the US, I was for a couple of interview interviews and everything. And I got the position actually. And I remember being so excited that, you know getting a normal job in the u.s is totally different from being a GA. you get so like there are opportunities there is there is the possibility of you being retained after your program which you don't have with a ga position you get so i was very excited i obtained my visa application again in march let's say i paid for my visa application today on monday the whole world the country went into lockdown Wow. COVID, like everybody from Lagos to US to UK, every that much that COVID became a thing that oh, like COVID is out there, don't come out and everything. So everything just stopped. And you would think that with everything stopping, maybe they would defer or whatever. Again, I lost the job, I lost my GA position, and when I lost those opportunities, I was like. No, I'm not going to apply. I'm not going to go for the interview um, at the embassy oh. because I, I already paid for the whole thing. But I was like, what was the use anyway? Because the um, the uh, the companies that were supposed to pay for my school for my tuition and everything, their 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 offers because of COVID. Because by the time we were done with COVID, I think we are like in September or something. Yeah, because yeah. we were locked down for a couple of months. So they had withdrawn. Everybody had made adjustments like, oh, they had to cut down the number of staff. They are no longer doing face-to-face. -face, so, um, and that was the time banning Nigerian students was coming to the UK and to the US, rather, and everything. So it was just so messy. So the whole of 2021 was a mess. And, uh, and um, towards the end of 20, rather, 2020, I was just like, okay, I've been doing the US, I've been getting it, but like, it's just not working. Maybe I should try 
another country. So I just like, like in a very unserious way, I just applied to school, to schools in the UK. And to tell you how very, um, um, what's the word? I wasn't really into it. I was applying to the UK more like a backup plan. So I wasn't even doing like, um, looking out for scholarships and everything. I just applied. I'm like, let me just leave it there. So it was right. in 2021, I got my admission and the whole process started and everything. So um, to answer your first question of how long it took, it took me from 2020, from 2019, 2020, and then 2021 for me to be done with the whole process. Wow. Oh, man. So, so you, you spoke a lot about um, a lot of the rejections you had and a lot of that happened and how it made you depressed at one point. Um, so th there's this joke my friend always makes that the average Nigerian is depressed because mm -hmm. of everyday life in Nigeria. Um, but there's, there's a borderline between just having to cope with everything in Nigeria generally to having specific experiences that get you to a point where you feel like ah, there's no hope. And from what you, you explained, it, it, it felt like you almost got to that point. So what did you do or what did you hear or what was your thought process that was able to get you from that point of, oh, what is the point in all of this after going through all of these rejections and all of these issues to having the willpower to say, you know what, I've gone through all of this, but I'm going to continue. What drove that decision in you? So I would say, I don't know if something drove the decision, but I would say a major factor for me was just time. So um, at the beginning of 2020, after getting, getting something and being, and the offers taken back, which I think is more painful than being outrightly rejected in the first place. Um, I went through this phase of where I didn't want to do anything like my friends would ask me that what about school what about your applications and I'm like can you kindly not talk to me about this and uh, my parents also knew that it was a taboo topic for me at that time like my mom would always say oh I pray that your dream and that you go to whatever countries that you want to go to for your studies. And I remember telling her that don't tell me that type of prayer again. Pray it in your mind. Don't just, just talk to me right now about that. And it was that painful for me. So, and what I did for myself is that I gave myself time to heal. Do you understand? So I, I gave like myself a couple of months to just be. So, and I think that's, that's the thing that we need to understand about ourselves that some might just want to take a rest and take a step back you know just free your mind of stuff so you know that period whereby i wasn't really interested in i wasn't applying to anything i wasn't reading up anything i wasn't pursuing anything and i was just there you know just eating sleeping hanging out with my friends and going to work and everything and i think after that time at parts i got to a stage whereby i got bored do you understand and i'm like okay what's next so I've always been like a very restless person. I'm like, what's next? Are you just going to be there and everything? So like, do you maybe want to go back to your application and take a look at it again? So like yeah. it was at that period, I'm like, okay, I've rested. I'm in a good place mentally and everything. Um, let's start this again. So I won't say there's like something that pushed me. It was more like I gave myself time 
to just understand that this happened to me and I needed to rest and then start to write again at a later time. Wow, wow. That's inspiring. Giving yourself time. Give yourself time to heal. That makes a lot of sense to me. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so I, I would like to ask a few um, futuristic questions. So what what does the future look like? What 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 is your big idea, or what is your big, um, for lack of a better word, what is your big purpose for doing everything you're doing right now? Oh, my big purpose, I don't know. Like I think that's a very big question. But ultimately, what I'm trying to get at the end of the day is just find that fulfillment, that inner right. fulfillment. That yes, during my youth. I actually did quite a lot, the number of stuff I put in a lot of efforts into achieving everything that I wanted to achieve. Because I feel like when I'm a little bit older, I want to get to a stage whereby it's no longer about ambition for me. Like now is the time for me to be ambitious and for sure the goals and achievements. But I also want to realize that maybe when I'm 40 or maybe when I'm 45, it's at that time that I'm letting things go. I'm not pursuing a career that I should have pursued when I was younger you get so for me it was more like let's get this stuff done now and and i think i'm also on my way to getting that because i'm really happy i got to the uk like two months ago and i've gotten you know a job with a company that i really love that i'm really enjoying so it's not an opportunity that a lot of people get when they come to the uk so um so i'm just like yes i'm on, on, on on my way to you know, achieving everything I want to, you know, before a certain age where yeah, I just want to rest. Because again, on the flip side, I, on the flip side, I like to travel. So I want to get to a stage whereby I'm just relaxing. So while I like ambitions and everything, I'm also like more about living life to the fullest. So I just don't want to be all about, I don't want to be all about, um, and I don't, I don't know, the, I don't know the right words to use, but for me, it's not just career, career, career to the end of my life. For instance, um, yeah, you understand. So I'm more like, I want to get to a certain stage where I'm comfortable. I look back at my life and I'm like, yes, I've done so many things that I love to do. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Um, okay, so you, you, I'd like to ask something that. Um, it's not in line with what I wanted to ask, but it just came to my mind. Um, so having to having to have schooled in Nigeria, right? Um, you went to polytechnic, went to a university, and now you're in another academic process outside of Nigeria. What would you say is the biggest struggle um, for schooling? First in Nigeria, and also, what would you say would be the biggest struggle aside the finances for people that are schooling outside of Nigeria? I hope you understand the question. Yeah, very honest. I wanted to say that my biggest struggle is just money right now. <laughs> schooling, <laughs> <laughs> it's just money because the pounds is not joking and all of that. But yeah, um, like I think that's like just a common thing for everybody. Um, schooling, yeah. schooling in the UK, to be very honest, I wouldn't say I have like any surprising struggle. And one of the things that I'm going to say is that schooling in Nigeria builds you. Like, 
school in Nigeria is, let me use the lemon word, is fired. Do you understand? Like you go through right. so many issues, you go through so many problems. If you like the teaching style is difficult, your supervisor um, um, approving your project or whatever, you, you you need to appeal to the gods in the, in anywhere, whatever you're serving before they even respond respond to you. But it's like it's not like that when you school in the UK. I find everything super easy in the UK. Do you understand? The course is outlined and you've got, you know, maybe your program leader or your lecturers that are always there for you. You can literally talk to them anytime if you do not understand anything. Literally everything is broken down for you. So it's it's, it's a much more simpler life um, for yeah. you if you school outside of Nigeria, if you school in the UK, because that's the only place I've been to um, academically. Right. So um, Nigeria will build you. So when you school outside of Nigeria or you school in any of these foreign universities, you just find out that you are just literally just um, having it easy to get. So that's the only thing I would say. So the only problem I see with a lot of students and myself included is just the finance part. So um, yeah. getting the money to do whatever you want to do, maybe for your tuition or just your living expenses or your rent or whatever. So outside of that, I don't think a lot of Nigerians here have any problem with the academics. Okay, awesome. Um, so I'd, I'd like to ask just a few more questions um, so I, I could let you go back to your work. Uh, do you think living from like when you were born to now, would you say you've had any regrets in life? And by regrets, um, maybe you have made certain mistakes that if you could talk about the time, you would not want to make them, or you'd want to do things differently. And you don't have to be specific about those events, but mm -hmm. um, the key question is, what has that then taught you if you've had regrets? What are the lessons that you've learned from all of those things that may have happened that you consider to be regrets? And um, looking back in hindsight, um, from everything you know now, um, would you still consider them regrets? It might be that at that time you felt you regretted that decision. But one thing I believe about life is some things, even bad things, happen to form a picture of the good in the future. That is what I believe personally. So would you think, would you say that you had regrets in your life? Were there any lessons that you learned? And in hindsight, would you still consider those things you felt were regrets then? Seeing how your life has turned out, would you say right now, you still see them as regrets? Um, okay, to be very honest, I don't have much, I don't have a, I don't think I regret any of the decisions that I've taken. Um, the right. one major regret that I really have is, and no offense to anybody that might read or hear this, is going to a polytechnic in the first place. I regret wow. it with every bone in my body. And if you see me and my dad arguing about anything, it's always about that topic. And it's always about, why would you even allow me to go to the polytechnic in the first place? Do you get... So um, I, I really spending five years in, in um, a polytechnic because I think it sort of like slowed down my process. It slowed down right. a lot of things. Um, it cost me a lot of money from going back to the university and paying the tuition myself to 
um, to, you know, all, the, all of the mental stress that I had to go, go through. And then, you know, that feeling of inadequacy that I had when I started working at the bank. And I remember thinking, right. uh, okay, like, am I not up to these people because I have an HND and all of that. So it has always been that. My major regret has always been that. And, you know, even when I started my, my, my application journey to study abroad, especially for the U.S., you get to see that um, a lot of, a lot of uh, what do you call it, a lot of um, studies, a lot of courses will tell you that you need to have a BSc. Do you get? And right. I remember thinking then that why, or they'll tell you, even in the U.K., you can't actually, you can't really apply to a master's degree with an HND. You have to do like a top-up program or you have to do like a wow. So you can imagine mm. the that feeling of inadequacy that comes with it. You get to spend extra money. So like that was one of my major regrets. But again, right. on a second thought, I actually don't regret my time at the Polytechnic because I'll give you a typical example. Just before I came to the UK, I was also applying to Canada. And I did my oh. West um, application, you know, sort of like to convert my degrees and everything. And funny enough, if yeah. you have an HND and... Uh, if you have an ND and an HND, you tend to get higher score than if you have just a BSc. So that's one positive oh, wow. that comes with it. So oh. if I do decide that tomorrow I want to go to Canada and everything and I want to start processing it, that is going to give me a higher point. So imagine me having an HND and a BSc. So that's like having like double the advantage as opposed to somebody who has just... So right. that is at least a blessing. So in hindsight, it, it was not great at all. Oh yeah, yeah, but I'd rather not go through that whole process. Like I have young people <laughs> in my in LinkedIn telling me that oh they've got an HND or whatever, or you know young people telling me that they want to go study in the polytechnic maybe because they've not been able to get an admission in the university. And I'm always like, hey, no offense to all of us that went to the polytechnic, but. Take your time, sit down and write that jam again until you get into the university than going to the polytechnic because the polytechnic is just a waste of time, to be very honest. So. But, but I have I have people that of the opinion that for certain courses that are a lot more technical, that you get to have um, exposure to a lot of the technical sides in polytechnics than in universities. Yeah, no, I disagree. <laughs> no, uh, I was. Sorry, what what course for, for context? What course did you study in the I did microbiology. Okay, HND. I did what we call science laboratory technology in my MD. Okay. And in my HND, I did microbiology. So okay. um, it might not be an engineering or whatever technical course, but like. Again, I liked if it's schooling in Nigeria because there are polytechnics in all over different countries in the world. Did you get with different levels? Do you understand? Like you could get a polytechnic. I don't even think they give HND or whatever, but like you could go to a polytechnic in a country outside of Nigeria and it holds water. Like it's something. But if you're talking about the polytechnic in Nigeria, it is a school in Nigeria. They are either state schools or they are federal schools. Number one, they are usually not even well equipped in the first place they don't really teach much so i don't know what they mean by technical experience the only thing that i would say in terms of experience is where you have that one year it period because after yeah. your nd you're supposed to go for one year placement or something 
So that's the right. only period that you are supposed to yourself. So the school doesn't even provide it for you. You get so you place yourself and you decide on the experience that you want yourself. So in terms of techni technical experience, uh, it's not even I'm not sure. Like I'm sure that don't even give that. So oh wow. So yeah. So. But again, it's everyone's so, so, decision. Right. During your during your BSc, you also studied microbiology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I right. I I did study microbiology too. Oh, interesting. <laughs> are you yeah. why are you currently not in that field right now? <laughs> Boy, so so this is the story, right? Mm -hmm. In in my in my class in microbiology, right? Um, so. I and two of my friends, we were top of the class in microbiology in my school, in my year. Yeah. But none of us, none of us is even doing anything remotely close yeah. to that. And you can imagine if the three best students in the class are not even thinking about it, that, oh, what do I want to do with this degree that is related? Mm -hmm. And it's not because we do not want to. I mean, we, we were good. But yeah. one, there is no opportunity. opportunity. Mm -hmm. Two, it was in the north, and the opportunity be, that would have existed for us to, or maybe get into academia, there, there was a, there was a, what's the right word to use? There was a religious thing. Religious, that was more like in, wow, the indigent thing. Well, okay, for the for the purposes of this call. It was both that and a little bit of religious because they felt, oh, okay, these people are not northerners and they wanted a lot more northerners in the system. But I will not even go into that because that is just another conversation. Yeah, but it's interesting having to having to transition from. Um, I know now you're probably not in that field. Is mm -hmm. that what you're still doing for the masters? Of course not. <laughs> so I'm currently into. Um branding communication and marketing wow yeah so so we we have we have a lot of things in common and i say this because so my my big plan or my greater plan is to do a lot more of brand strategy and that is where i see myself functioning so this is a personal question it might not be people that are listening might not Mm -hmm. see it as applicable to them but this is a personal question how has that transition been or how was it easy i know for example a friend that um he also had a degree in microbiology he's mm -hmm. trying to um, make that transition into data analytics and it has been a, a bit difficult to do that and um, mm -hmm. trying to apply to schools and some schools are just like oh you don't have a first degree in so and so course and yeah. it might not work and all of that so how was that transition for you from having a science-based background to mm -hmm. something that is a lot more non-science-based? All right. So that's, <laughs> that this is a very long story. So basically, you know, my background is in the sciences, microbiology and all of that. But um, just like you, you know, came out with really distinct good results and the degree and everything. But I've, I'd always known that... I would not really do that because I'm not really interested in the health sector. 
So I had a glimpse right. of what it means to be a science or microbiologist, you know, during my IT placement, and it wasn't appealing to me at all. And right. the truth is that I like money. That's the truth. <laughs> and I remember thinking that literally, if I stick to microbiology, I don't see any rich microbiologist anywhere. So like, literally, I'm not going to just stick True to that. <laughs> so, um, so so my own, my own yardstick, my, oh, sorry to cut you, yeah, my own true. yardstick for that was, I looked at all my lecturers and I'm like, which of them do I admire? And I'm like, nobody. I really, yeah. Because none of them has the kind of money I want to have. None of them does the kind of mm -hmm. things I want to do. So I'm like, nah, this thing is not for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, my lecturers, sorry to say, they just look like they could do with a lot more comfort. So, and it wasn't even, you know, how Nigerian lecturers can be. They try to escort children, escort students, get as many as they can. Like, my dad would always say that, oh, he would be happy if I go into academy. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, so, immediately after my NYC, I was literally looking for any job at all. So, and that is how I got banking. And I didn't like banking. I didn't like the the feeling of, you know, you know, even then there was this crazy target and there was this oral stories of, you know, meeting your target and meeting with different people. You know, as a female probably harass you and everything. So I wasn't really interested in banking and the hours were just crazy. We had this dress code. You need to put on makeup, you need to put on cover shoe all the time. I wasn't interested at all. So right. After my BSc degree, you know, I started applying to different places. And um, I remember telling, talking to a friend of mine who was working with an advertising firm then that, is your company um, looking for someone? Like, I don't mind, mind being an intern um, at the company, but like, I just everything. So I did submit my CV. They called me for a written interview. Somehow I passed it. I don't know how, but like for all of my interviews, you know, do your research, possible answers and questions and everything. So I got that, called me for that interview, physical interview and everything got through. So they employed me like, I won't really call it a, a, a but I was more like very new. So when I joined, it was more like you are coming to learn. And I think that okay. working at that advertising agency sort of built me. So I usually tell people who want to go into advertising and marketing that first thing first, go into advertising, you might not make a lot of money, but like you because you work on campaigns, you work on creative, on creative um, stories and ideas on media buy and everything. So I learned yeah. everything there. And then from there, I applied to Bella Ninja, which is also like along the same line. So even at Bella Ninja, I had to do so many things from digital marketing to even business development to media partnerships to branding. And I worked with Bella Niger for like a period of four years. So you can imagine the amount of work and the amount of trainings I had to go through or through that period. So that built me. And then after that, I joined Pulse. So I, I'm sure you also know Pulse Nigeria. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I joined Pulse as, uh, as a a digital strategist because at that time. So then I was already very experienced. So I'd say transition, one of the things that helped me was the fact that I worked in this industry and I had practical experiences. So it wasn't more like yeah. I didn't have any book or certificate or anything, but like my experiences were very practical. And I realized that when I applied to schools in the US, all of them gave me admission for all of the courses from communication to digital marketing to marketing itself. 
and no. I got the you get and I got the scholarship or the job or whatever I was applying for and I got it there and the same thing applies to the UK but I did get a couple of rejections which is still shocking for me because I applied to Jamie you probably know that doing your program in Jamie sometimes for a lot of schools can be tuition free yeah so I applied for something I think digital marketing strategy or something for a school in Germany. And after going through the rigorous process, they denied it. I mean, they rejected oh. my, I got a rejection, excuse me. I got a rejection. And I remember being so shocked. I'm like, how dare you <laughs> reject me <laughs> and everything. And I remember typing an email to them like, you've got to explain why you rejected my application. <laughs> Like that email, I still have it in my mailbox. Like, I really want to know are you saying that you read my personal statements and all this appeals to you, or are you saying that? And they got back saying that, oh, your application was awesome and everything, but you just don't have a first degree in marketing communication. I'm like, what has that got to do with anything? The thing is that, and we were going back and forth, and the person or whoever was responding told me that, well, we are not so sure that you'll be able to cope with the coursework because you do not have a background knowledge. I'm like, what? I've been working in the industry for so long, so what do you mean? The same thing when I applied to a school in Dublin, Ireland, and they also said the same thing and everything. But for most schools in the US and in the UK, I think for them it's more about um, it's more about your practicality if you actually understand what it means to study such a course as opposed to having a certificate in, in the first place. Now, I'll give you a typical example. Um, um I, last week i started a new job as a company as a marketing um, communication executive for uk and ireland and it was it was such a major win for me because uh what they were focusing on was the fact that i've had so many experience that you get you know working in this field and in the industry so for them it wasn't a question of oh do you have a first degree in this or do you have a first degree in that do you get so in terms of transition, one thing that works for a lot of foreign countries and companies is if you do have the practical knowledge, right. it helps a lot. So maybe once in a while, get some like certificates in it. I know there are a lot of online courses. You can apply for so many things. For instance, I know Google have courses on, the, uh, I, I can't remember what it's called, but like you can study digital marketing, you can study different on it. I think right. for Sarah or you could be Udemy, for instance, and then you just do those little courses and then you package your CV really well and it, it comes yeah. out fine, to be very honest. So for your friend that's trying to transition, you can do some of those certificate courses and then you can also try and get in some experiences. And because you are transitioning to a new profession, you might want to make some sacrifice like um, maybe going for internship positions Maybe, maybe sort of like taking like a pay cut or, you know, sometimes approaching companies. So one of the things I'm good at is that I know how to really approach companies on LinkedIn, for instance. I tell them that, okay, I have these experiences. Would you want to sort of like talk with me or speak with me to see if I can be of any help to you and everything? I'd always say that if it's something I really want, you could easily just tell them that, can I intend with you? Can I have a testing phase or something? But like being very strategic with your plan also helps. So um, yeah, that's what I can say about that.
Oh, that, that was really, really informative. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, so so this conversation has been really interesting. I wouldn't want to end it, but I mean, I have to let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I'd like to ask um, maybe one last question, or if if another one comes to mind before um, I let you go, I might ask two more questions. But I'd just like to ask this. This will probably be the last one. So mm-hmm. if um, looking back on your life, right? Um, if and you could take your time to think about this. If mm-hmm. you would describe your life in one sentence, how do you? Hmm. Uh, my life. <laughs> to be very honest. Uh, hello. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm here. Yeah. So to be very honest, I. I think I've lived a good life. To be very honest, I feel like. Um, I think um, I've always had God's grace with me, you know, just going through everything with me. Did you get so like, I don't have any major regrets in terms of academy and career. And I would say I've been blessed um, because even if at a point there are a couple of delays, like the fact that at the end of the day, I got whatever I wanted and it's usually more like, God's confirmation for me that you're on the right path. So, um, yeah, like I can't think of a word, but like I actually like my life and I like how far I've gone. Um, I'm mm. also very excited about what the future holds for me. I'm really, really excited about my future, to be very honest. Like I see myself doing so many things and, you know, going beyond what's where I am presently. So um, that's it for me. <laughs> Right, awesome. So, so final question, final, final, final question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as as part of like when we eventually transcribe this into a written form, one one um, part we also talk about is the impact. Um, so, and the impact works in two ways. It works in um, okay. So, how can the people reading this have an impact in your life? Or how do you want this story to impact people? So whichever you feel comfortable answering, it might not be that um, people really, um, there's an impact you actually want people to have in your life, but Mm. it could be that with everything that you've shared and everything that you have been through, what is the impact you would like this to have on people? So I don't know whichever one you want to answer. That is fine. And you can answer both also. Uh, okay, so um, the impact I want my story to have on people, to be very honest, I just want people to feel encouraged and um, to sort of like not have that never like that um, never give up attitude towards anything because I don't think anything good comes easy to anyone. To be very honest, and I think it's one of the things I keep telling myself when I get a rejection email. A rejection letter i'm like well it's okay i'll just try again and everything so i would want my story to sort of like let people know that if this is what they are also trying to achieve they can actually do it to be very honest so many people have done it in the past so you know, just to keep going and um, i'm trying to remember the second question um but like one of so the, the things- first one mm-hmm. right go ahead go ahead yeah, so I wanted to say that one of the things I did 
promised myself because when I was applying to school, I talked to a lot of people and I'm always right. open to so to people reaching out to me. It's sort of like even if it's excuse me, even if it's just like an advice on um am I on the right path? What schools do I need to apply to and everything? Right. So I'm usually very open to talking to people and advising people um, to make sure that whatever they are trying to achieve, they, they get to that stage or to that place. Right. That, that's actually quite interesting because one of the things that we hope to achieve is we want to have a community of change makers. And what that community is, we have people that um, have actually achieved what a lot of like the people that we're trying to reach want to achieve and it could be that oh somebody actually reads your story and sees all the successes you've had and actually wants to know how would I can I do this and it could be that oh we have a change maker Rose is one of our change makers you could have like a 30 minutes call and all of that we'll plan all of that how that happens and make sure that it doesn't get to a point where the person starts to bug you or anything and mm-hmm. You could have a call or have a chat with that person. The person asks questions. And just so that we're impacting lives um, on a personal level and also sharing the story to reach like a good number of people. That would be awesome. I think that's one of the things that we would be discussing with you subsequently um, about how you can be one of our change yeah. makers. And yeah. actually, so, so that's actually quite exciting. So the first part of the question was, um, I know that this is like the impact of the story on people. Is there any way that you feel people reading this could have any form of impact in your life? It might not be, it might be that um, maybe professionally or whatever kind of impact do you think that um, you would like this to have on your life? And it's not like us saying that, oh, we can make that happen, but we just want to have an idea of if there are any um, things or that you feel at this moment or anything you're struggling with that you feel at this moment please aside money aside money <laughs> because i was about to say money <laughs> <laughs> okay. that you feel at this moment yeah. have some form of impact mm-hmm. so i think um so like i hope this part doesn't get published though let me just put it out there <laughs> no, no, no. everything every, so everything everything is in-house we've not started our podcast so everything okay. is in-house okay so for me i think um it's something that um toby has already offered which is um, more in terms of connection because one of my journey i realized that information is key knowing the right people is very important um so for me for instance i in terms of impact and in terms of like future plans for me i look towards getting into like working with a media tech company or something at the end of the day. And um, one of the things is that, you you, for instance, if you want to work for one of those major corporations in the UK or something, you probably need to know someone that works in there that can refer you and all of that. So um, for me, it's more like, okay, I hope I know the right people in an organization that I'll probably like to do something with after my program and all of that. But I think Toby actually offered, like, you know, if, there's anybody I think it might know and all of that that I could just sort of like reach out to you guys to to ask. So mm-hmm. I think that would be a good one for me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I know Toby is in that space. So yeah, he could come in. I can be there. Doki, 
Wow. Um, I must say this was a very interesting conversation for me. And I am so, I'm so grateful that you took out time. Um, I know you, you probably have um, a busy schedule, maybe mm -hmm. working or thinking about making more money and all of that. <laughs> but you took out time to actually do this. It means a lot to us and uh, it means a lot you. to the team. Thank you so much. Um, so from here now, we're going to um, have like a, an this, and we'll maybe send it to you to see if um, is there's anything that we've written that you don't like how it was written or that you don't want to go out and all of that. And all of that. Okay. So we'll definitely touch with you. And we might request maybe for a picture or two, just to back right. it up um, and all of that. So um, subsequently we'll be in communication with you and um, we'll let you know how everything unfolds. We're so glad you did this and we oh, look forward to guys. having a longer communication with you, a more fruitful um, relationship with you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, thank you to you guys also for like thinking my story your platform. Um, like, okay. thank you. Uh, I hope like it helps a lot of people. And I'm really, really serious about, you know, anybody wanting help. And like, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, so yeah, right, right. thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of you. <laughs> yeah, you too. Bye. All right. Yeah, bye-bye. Thank you. Okay.